Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Up next, she answers a knock at her door and pays with her life. There was a ton of blood. I was very, very upset about the entire situation. No one knows why this victim has been targeted for death. It didn't look like this was a, a random act. The only solid evidence, a couple of shell casings. They recovered two fired 9 millimeter cartridge cases. Is this enough to solve a murder? The answer comes years later, after a seemingly unrelated road rage incident 100 miles away. I was shocked. I didn't know that this type of technology existed. ATF agent Butler calls me and tells me that they have a positive hit on a cartridge. I couldn't believe it. I was ecstatic. Close to the border of the United States and Canada, the town of Hope, Idaho, was the ideal place for Daryl and Shirley Ramey to raise their family. The marriage that ultimately resulted in two children, two grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren was an old-school romance that came about completely by chance. Oh, she was a good-looking gal. <laughs> she, <laughs> I was working up at Bonner's Ferry at the time, and a friend there was working with me. He says, hey, I know where we can go go to a dance. And uh, that's where I met my wife, was out there. And I courted her for about nine months before we got married. In this area, guns are nearly as commonplace as cars. Most locals get familiar with gun safety practically from birth. And incidents of gun violence are few and far between. It doesn't hurt that the population density, about 25 people per square mile, is among the lowest in the country. Most of uh, the patrol areas that, that we cover are in dirt roads, um, very rural. Uh, you get uh, directions by going towards the end of the road and there's a big uh, cedar tree uh, with a Y and you may turn right and go down this road or that road. After happy and successful careers, Daryl and Shirley settled into a well-deserved retirement. On the afternoon of April 5th, 2017, Daryl went into town to play cards with old friends at the local senior center. I asked her what she wanted to do for dinner that night. It was being Friday night. A lot of times we went out. And she said, well, why don't you bring home a, a bacon cheeseburger? So after cards, I went over to the restaurant and bought the bacon cheeseburger and come home. Daryl got back about five o'clock. As he walked up to the house, he saw a sliding glass door was wide open. He wondered why. It was cold outside. As he stepped into the house, he got the answer. When I come home, she was laying there on the floor. 
She was laying in a pool of blood. I just said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Police and paramedics arrived to find a murder not often seen in rural Idaho. Surely Ramey had been shot twice at nearly point-blank range. There was no forced entry. At first glance, it appeared nothing had been stolen from the house. It was a murder with no apparent motive. After all, who could possibly have a reason to carry out an execution-style hit on a 78-year-old great-grandmother? It was very, very strange. Shirley was an elderly lady. She was well-liked in the community. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. We didn't have any enemies, especially Shirley. She didn't have anybody that she didn't like, you know? And it's the same way with me. I don't have any enemies, and I, I, I couldn't figure out who it was. Neither could law enforcement. This murder had no apparent motive, no eyewitnesses, and very little evidence. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. As the shock of Shirley Ramey's murder rippled across her rural Idaho community, Homicide investigators were faced with a crime scene nearly devoid of useful information. The crime scene uh, appeared to be very neat, orderly. It did not have the appearance that there had been a, a rummaging through, as you oftentimes would see in a home invasion, a burglary, a robbery. Uh, there was nothing that was astray. The only thing apparently missing from the house was an old hunting rifle, a 308 caliber and this definitely was not the murder weapon. Analysts knew this because about the only solid information at the scene were two shell casings found just feet from Shirley's body. Those shell casings were both nine millimeter semi-auto shell casings with an RP stamped on them, Remington Peters. They had primer strikes that we recognized consistent with Glock. Most guns use a round firing pin, Glock uses more of a triangular-shaped firing pin. As for the killer being someone Shirley knew, given the lack of forced entry and the absence of a struggle, that seemed possible, even likely. But her husband, Daryl, with a solid alibi, was immediately written off as a potential suspect. In fact, the Ramies were well-known to local law enforcement for all of the right reasons and none of the wrong ones. I knew Shirley and Daryl, Personally, as we attended um, community events in Hope and East Hope. Another clue leading investigators to believe Shirley might have known her killer was the remote location of her house. The Ramies lived on Trestle Creek Road, 
It's only accessible for part of the year by automobile. A lot of the winter and into the spring, it is snowmobile only. So it's, there are very few residences up that road. There are not a lot of people live up there. We live right in the canyon. There's not a lot of property to develop in there. The area saw so little human traffic that some fresh shoe prints at the scene became crucial evidence. We have more than four seasons here in North Idaho, and one of them is mud season. And so we did identify footprints. It looked like it was a set of tennis shoes, but the ground was uh, too uh, moist and unable for us to do any castings. The prints led to a camping trailer about a half mile from the Ramey's house. There was a, a, a vagrant living in a small trailer house below me. He was living in kind of a, a rudimentary trailer without you know, electricity and plumbing and creature comforts. He's not unusual in the sense that uh, people here in North Idaho can tend to be living off the grid. Um, they live in a, a manner that perhaps other people in other parts of the country don't really understand. This person, Daryl Ramey said he'd never met him, was identified as 41-year-old Nathan Ott. Nathan Ott had a lot of brushings with the law uh, he suffered from schizophrenia, and he had a record of stalking, of sort of harassing people. Nathan Ott, who was hearing impaired, wasn't at his trailer, but someone had been there recently, and that someone had apparently fired a gun. We noticed that there were bullet holes that were caused from a gun shooting from the outside in, and all of the holes were identified from coming uh, and being shot from the roadway. Trajectory analysis and standard ballistic tests showed that these bullet holes were fresh from right around the time Shirley Ramey was shot. We found two more shell casings that matched the nine millimeter uh, RP head stamp alongside the road, uh, consistent with a location that could have caused the two uh, bullet holes in Nathan Ott's trailer. So where was Nathan Ott and was he a killer or possibly a victim himself. When Nathan Ott emerged as a potential suspect in the murder of Shirley Ramey, detectives learned he had no prior contact with the Ramey family. And although he didn't own a gun, he had access to one. We had talked to um, some of his friends, and they had said that he he was present when uh, some of his friends had come over to his trailer and were shooting a 9mm. Now detectives got a surprise. They were contacted by Nathan Utt's brother, who told them a shocking story. Nathan was talking about killing people or in an animated uh, gesturing, uh, again, because Nathan is deaf, uh, communication is done through largely a combination of sign language and, and verbiage. But Nathan had been in a bar talking about killing uh, two people or shooting several people. This was not some rumor that got blown out of proportion. Nathan Utt's threatening conversation with his brother was caught on camera. There was a tape from the restaurant. The investigators were actually able to secure that tape and from the tape, it was clear Nathan Ott was making a wild arm gestures. It, it was clear that his brother's statement was verified uh, by the tape. He made the motion of 
bang, bang during that conversation. And we had some uh, real concerns that may implicate him of following through with those, those threats and maybe being responsible for uh, shooting and killing Sh Shirley Ramey. Investigators in Bonner County are looking for this man, 41-year-old Nathan Lane Utt, who's considered to be armed and dangerous and wanted for murder of an elderly woman in Sandpoint. Media all over the Pacific Northwest was given Nathan Utt's description. He was soon located on a commuter train. The U.S. Marshals were able to, uh, to find Mr. Utt and ultimately arrest him uh, as he was returning to Idaho uh, from Portland, Oregon on Amtrak. Nathan Ott told investigators he was returning home after checking himself into a mental health facility in Oregon. He said he had nothing to do with Shirley Ramey's murder and could prove it. Numerous people had seen him during the time she was shot. His threat to kill someone was just idle talk. I was extremely surprised that Mr. Ott had a valid alibi. Uh, I certainly believe that he had committed this homicide. And within an hour of him um, giving that interview to investigators, I was able to get him out of jail. Soon the story of this bizarre unsolved murder came to the attention of ATF agent James Butler, who thought the ATF could help. ATF is not in the business of investigating homicides. Um, but what we can do is provide other assistance to law enforcement agencies to assist with their cases. In 2020, nearly eight in 10 of the murders committed in America involved a firearm. All those guns and the bullets used in them are a rich source of evidence. The ATF's National Integrated Ballistic Information Network, or NIBIN, uses a machine called Brass Tracks to take three-dimensional scans of the millions of brass cartridge casings recovered from crime scenes or from confiscated weapons that were later test-fired. Those images allow investigators to compare markings on vast numbers of cartridge cases with extraordinary speed. Within 24 to 48 hours of a shooting scene, they have the ability to recover cartridge cases from a shooting scene and identify whether the firearm that fired those recently recovered cartridge cases has left any other cartridge cases that were acquired in Denibin. The casings from the murder of Shirley Ramey were entered. To the consternation of investigators, there were no matches. But that didn't mean the search was over. In fact, in a roundabout way, this search uncovered the surprise connection that ultimately solved the mystery of who shot Shirley Ramey. I was ecstatic. Um, this is the first real lead that we've had um, during the entire case, and, and uh, it, it just got better from there. To find out who killed Shirley Ramey, detectives wanted to locate the murder weapon a Glock 9mm handgun. But all they had were shell casings found near Shirley's body. The ATF's Nibin system, which tracks shell casings recovered from crime scenes, turned up no matches. So ATF agent James Butler took a chance. He reached out to regional law enforcement with a question. Did anyone have a Glock 9mm used in a crime that had not yet been test-fired? 
I would uh, continually ask that if you have a nine millimeter in your custody, can we test fire that so that we can place that into Nibin? I didn't get any more specific than that, and that went on for, for numerous months. It turned out that police in Lincoln County, Montana, about 100 miles from Shirley Ramey's unsolved murder in Idaho, had a Glock 9mm in their evidence vault. And now investigators in Idaho got an incredible bit of information about that gun and about their unsolved murder. That gun had been uh, picked up for several hours before we even knew we had a homicide. This Glock 9mm belonged to a 57-year-old woman named Judith Carpenter. She used that gun to threaten a couple during a road rage incident in the town of Libby, Montana. The authorities were called and the Libby Police Department arrested uh, Judy Carpenter for aggravated assault. This happened just hours after Shirley Ramey's murder. On the afternoon of this road rage incident, responding officer Sergeant Bo Pittman found more than a Glock 9mm on Judith Carpenter. She also had a 308 caliber hunting rifle in her car. Pittman wanted to know, why was this woman packing so much firepower? She told me that while she was traveling down Highway 200, she pulled off to urinate. And when she pulled off the road, she found the rifle on the side of the road. This didn't make a lot of sense. Judith Carpenter was brought in for questioning. Judith Carpenter was highly paranoid. You could also mix in some confusion when she was trying to explain her whereabouts over the last couple of days. I thought she was deliberately being dishonest with me. In a bizarre turn of events, this interrogation about Judith Carpenter's road rage incident happened on the very afternoon of Shirley Ramey's murder. But detectives on Shirley's case didn't see this tape until two years later. Okay, so when they came past you and you pointed the gun at them, how fast were they going? I don't know, felt assaulted. Huh? Felt assaulted. Uh, explain that. Like assaulted. And so by you pointing the gun at him, it was, uh, tell me why you pointed the gun at him. Because it felt like they were going to hit me. Okay. Did they hit you? No, but they came pretty darn close. Following my interview, I concluded that she did commit the crime of assault with a weapon, but she also had mental health issues. So I had her booked into our jail, and I also requested a mental health evaluation to be conducted. Judith Carpenter spent several court-appointed weeks being treated for mental health issues and was ultimately released. But her Glock 9mm remained in custody. At the time, there was no reason for police in Montana to make a connection between Judith's road rage incident and a murder in Idaho. But now, a possible connection had been made. Could Judith Carpenter be a killer? Could the gun she was carrying tell the story? That would turn out to be the linchpin of this case. The 9mm Glock was test-fired and put into Nibin, and lo and behold, it came back as the, the gun that was utilized in the Shirley Ramey case. I was so excited. It was a total match to the gun that was used in the Ramey homicide. How all this ended up in murder is a story that defies explanation. 
Investigators say it appears that Judith Carpenter, in the midst of a full-blown mental crisis, had been driving hundreds of miles and simply had to go to the bathroom. She knocked on the door of Shirley Ramey's house, which just happened to be the first one she came upon. Shirley, faced with a visibly unwell stranger who might have had a gun in her hand, refused to let Judith Carpenter in. Judith responded by fatally shooting Shirley. While going through the house, Judith saw the Ramey's 308 caliber rifle and stole it. As she was driving away, for reasons no one can explain, she fired two shots into Nathan Utt's trailer. Four hours later, she was arrested in Montana for using her Glock 9mm in a road rage incident and was eventually exposed as Shirley Ramey's killer. To this day, Judith Carpenter claims no memory of what happened. In 2021, she pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and got 15 years to life in prison. I was at the sentencing. I told her that that I didn't really have any ill feelings toward her. And I hope that, you know, the Lord will come and take care of her body and her mind. This was, I hope it does happen someday. And I hope it to take care of me too. The Lord has been good to me. Investigators freely admit that the killer in this case almost walked free but new forensic technology and an old-fashioned commitment to leaving no stone unturned combined to tell the bizarre story of what happened to Shirley Ramey that April afternoon. To me, this case is a, an excellent example of what can happen when multiple agencies uh, come together, uh, work together, and each fulfill their duties flawlessly. We were able to take those two shell casings and we were able to link them to the murderer of Shirley Ramey. The forensic evidence in this case was essential. Without the forensic evidence, without the gun being test-fired and put in the Nibin system in Montana, this case would not be solved today. 